When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What a day and a night of tennis we have just seen across four different tournaments in Europe. 22 matches across the women's and men's tours today. Welcome to TC Live. We got a lot of work to do on this show as we take you through a thrilling day of tennis that just wrapped up in Barcelona. Coming up on today's show, a whole lot of highlights, interviews, and analysis from a tremendous day. Plus, Serena Williams getting into the footy game. We'll tell you about that. Plus, Hall of Fame sweepstakes, a really fun game you can play for a chance to win a trip to the International Tennis Hall of Fame coming up this summer. Hey, everybody, welcome inside our Santa Monica Studios. I'm Rob Simulcare with a very tired Nick Monroe, who just had a very busy day calling a great match, and Chanda Rubin to my right. And guys, this was a thrilling day of tennis. Chanda, I start with you. What was your favorite part of this great day? Uh, I mean, this last match, how can you go past that? I mean, it just finished with uh, Carlos Alcaraz and Stefano Tsitsipas. That's always an exciting matchup, and I've just been ooing and eyeing with Andy Roddick on, tw- on uh, <laughs> messages about how great this guy is, how big he hits the ball, how well he moves, and for me, how well he competes, his willingness to come in. It was impressive all the way around. It really was, Nick, and uh, we'll get to the highlights right now because there's just so much to talk about. Let's start with Stefano Tsitsipas. He had to play late last night just to get through to today. Then he starts today against Grigor Dimitrov in what was a tough match to start things off. Yeah, this was a battle of two sweet one-handers out there. Tsitsipas absolutely came out on fire, was rifling the forehands, looking to dictate play because he knows how much Dimitrov can affect his play with the variety that, that Dimitrov can bring. But Tsitsipas went up 4-0 in the first set and didn't stop there. Kept moving forward, kept coming into the net using his aggressive play. In the second set, it got a little bit tighter. Tsitsipas was still looking for his forehand, but Dimitrov was able to just find a way to get it a little bit tight. Tsitsipas kept coming in. Again, when you want to play Dimitrov, you want to come into his backhand to make things difficult for him. And there we saw a double fault from Dimitrov to give the first match to Sissipas. And little did he know he was going to have to place one of the best guys on tour in Alcaraz. That's exactly right. So it took an hour and ten for him to get through. Alcaraz played the exact same amount in his match and they meet here in the quarterfinals. Yeah, and then this first set, this was amazing from Alcaraz. He was absolutely on fire. Again, these guys, Alcaraz is up 2-0 in their meetings going into this match. And so, you know, Sissipas knew he would be in trouble here. As we see Sissipas rifle a ball at Alcaraz at him when he was down set point just because he could feel like Alcaraz was on top of him. He was super angry out there with Sissipas. Alcaraz was in that second set. Sissipas was down double break second set. It was 6-4, 4-1 double break. Sissipas never stopped fighting, never stopped competing. And then he got able to get up 6-4 in the second set and then come away with it, which was crazy because Alcaraz started missing forehands. Again, we, we didn't see that early on in the match from Alcaraz. He was making everything. The crowd was behind him. And then this was interesting. It was a bathroom break after the second set going into the third set. 
Alcaraz went over six minutes, and normally he will, you get three minutes once you go off the court and another two minutes, so he went six minutes, should have gotten a point penalty, but here we go into the third set. Carlos Alcaraz ran with it with the crowd. You see him pumping up everybody. Then Sitsipas took a bathroom break, and again, you get a minute and a half in between games. Sitsipas went two minutes and 25 seconds. So when he came back, the chair was telling him, hey, you took too long. And look, they had this long conversation. And then as soon as Sissipas comes out, he didn't realize that he actually went down love 30 in that game. They gave him two-point docks on that game. And then next thing you know, Carlos Alcaraz just kept competing, kept running. Look at that emotion. It's so much fun watching this kid compete. And there it was. Carlos Alcaraz absolutely bone-crushing the ball. The punishers, we call him on the tour. His coach, Juan Carlos Ferrero, is super excited. And he'll be moving on. So he comes through a match that had a little bit of everything, and he spoke to the crowd afterwards. Probably the, my, my biggest uh, winner on clay court. I mean, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable uh, game that, that I played, unbelievable atmosphere that I lived uh, today on court. Uh, I mean, it was unbelievable, everything. Uh, I mean, the, the atmosphere, the, the crowd, the, the level that I played, the, the level of the match uh, was, was incredible. So a real thriller. Meanwhile, Cam Noor, he had to play three and a half hours to get through Marton Fucevic, and now, same day, taking on Alex Dimonor. Yeah, it felt a little bit like a mismatch because Dimonor only had to play one set, a six-love set of tennis. He got the retirement from Lloyd Harris, and Dimonor very quickly out front in that first set. But Cam Nori fought back. I mean, he is such a battler out there, competes well. He's a tricky guy to play with the different spins he can create. We would go into the third set, but Dimonor again got a little bit more aggressive, better court positioning, and they're staying a little tighter to the baseline and just moving Nori, wrong-footing him at times. Not easy to get an advantage against a quick guy like Nori on this surface, but Dimonor can match him in that department, and it was impressive the way he just settled back down a Dimonor and got the win in three sets. A big victory for him on red clay. You wouldn't expect him to go deep, but he is playing fantastic tennis playing very well and so he earns himself a spot in the semifinals where he will take on Carlos Alcaraz that'll be tomorrow 10 a.m. Eastern here on Tennis Channel and again not a guy Alex Dimonor Nick that you you think of as a clay court player playing really well what kind of chance do you give him against Carlos Alcaraz well I mean Dimonor he actually trains in Spain he lives in Seville trains there but against Carlos Alcaraz I mean we saw the firepower that he can bring especially off of that forehand wing and Alcaraz is just he's too tough to beat you know, he's got a great team around him and Juan Carlos Ferrero. We did see him come off the off the chart a little bit there in the second set today against Sissipas, starting missing a few forehands. But again, it was mainly just because it was on his terms. Everything's going to be on his terms going into this match against Dimonor. I don't think Dimonor is going to really be able to affect Alcaraz and move him too much across the baseline. Alcaraz is going to be it's going to be on his racket. Yeah, I think it'll be a match where Carlos Alcaraz can get into rallies. He won't necessarily be rushed as much as he was rushed against uh, Sitsipas uh, in that match today. And I think he just has so many weapons, so many big guns, Alcaraz does, and he's willing to come into the net. So there's not a lot of place for Dimonor to go into. He's going to have to play, I think, outside of himself a bit, Dimonor, and try to press a little more. He's comfortable coming in. He's going to have to try to find ways to mix it up. But overall, the weapons are in the, uh, in the favor of Alcaraz. Okay, we'll get you the highlights from the other half of that Barcelona draw a little bit later in the show. But now we go to Stuttgart and another high-quality matchup, a top-ten matchup here, Paolo Badosa and Anjabur. 
Yeah, we saw here Badosa had to save a set point. She had a great kick serve here and then was able to dictate with the forehand. And again, for Badosa, it's all about that serve and the forehand. And she was able to get a set point here against Jabor. And Jabor has so much variety in her game, but Badosa was able to find a way to come away with that second set. But we talk about the variety. Here you're going to see it in the second set. A lot of drop shots that Jabor decided to start to bring in and try to bring Badosa off of the baseline. And those work to great effect here in this match. Again, another drop shot. And Badosa just didn't know what to do. But look at the athleticism from Jabor. And that's why she is top 10 in the world and so difficult to play against. And in the third set, we saw Badosa take returns a bit earlier in the court and try to take it to Jabor. You can't let Jabor kind of have her way around the court and use her variety. So there's another kick serve, and Badosa will be moving on in this match. So Paula Badosa continuing to play very well on the clay. Meanwhile, Annette Contivate riding a 22-match indoor winning streak into this match against Serena Sabalenka. Yeah, she's so tough, Contivate, when conditions are controlled. She hits the ball so cleanly, but Sabalenka, she can hit a big ball and go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and she used her forehand beautifully early in this match. Got another forehand there, this time inside out. She has the ability to mix it up and go to either direction with a similar look. And once she got the lead, Sabalenka, you know, she didn't really look back. It took a big effort for Contivate to turn things around, and she did so by being more inside the court, playing aggressive on her side, using her backhand beautifully, and they're able to serve it out to go into the third. And we thought, okay, is this going to be another comeback from Contivate? She's had so many uh, over recent events. But Sabalenka buckled down. She had her serve going for her. She also understood how to play points to her advantage. That is getting forehands, taking balls inside the court often, and that's what she was able to do down the stretch in the end, getting it in three sets. So the, the win streak ends. How about this matchup? Igas Fiontek and Emma Raducanu. This is the first ever top ten opponent for Raducanu in her career, and it's number one in Fiontek. Yeah, it, it, she's right into the fire, Raducanu. So many eyes on this match. And she actually did a good job of setting herself after losing her serve, very first service game of the match. Lost that first set, but kind of kept the momentum. They traded breaks at the beginning of the second. And Raducanu, she had a little bit of a physical issue, would go off court to see the trainer, but came back and, you know, stayed in there. She competed well. She forced Fiontech into shots like that. But Fiontech, she's been so impressive, playing number one uh, as number one in the world and so confident in these big moments. That miss was huge, though. A second break point for Raducanu. She could not convert. And this last game of the match, Fiontech, she saw her opening and took it. And that's been a staple of her game. She gets through another tough one and so impressive for Some Fiontech. Some moments of stress for her in this match, but she talked about still adjusting to the play. Playing here is never a routine because uh, the surface is really tricky. I'm still kind of using every minute on it to get to know it, you know, and to get more experience, so I'm pretty happy that today today's match was longer because I feel like even not for now but for the future it's going to give me a lot of experience. All right, so there you see the draw in Stuttgart. Semi-final setups, Riontek and Samsonova. And on the bottom there, a good-looking matchup between Sabalenka and Bedosa. So, Nick, you look at that potential final there. Look at the, the players left in that draw. Who do you think has the best shot of potentially giving Iga some trouble? 
Uh, if, I mean, an honest answer, no one. Uh, she's <laughs> won 22 sets straight. I mean, her last set that she lost was in Dubai against Ostapenko. So, I mean, I feel like her confidence right now is off the chart. So, I, I feel like no one really has a shot. No one can really push her off her mark. I mean, if anyone, maybe it would be Sabalenka to be able to push her around. Because if you can't push her off her mark, she is rifling forehand. She's standing inside the court, pushing her opponents all over the place. So, for me, no one at the moment. Yeah, I think a big hitting player, you know, does have the ability to maybe do that. That's why Ostapenko is the last player to beat Iga Swiatek. And Samsonova, ironically enough, she hits a big ball. Can she hit those types of shots consistently? That's going to be the question on this surface where Swiatek will have a little more time to catch up to some of those big shots. I think it'll be a tough ask, but it'll be another really interesting test for Iga Swiatek. Today, she was tested at times. I think that's good for her and the way she worked her way through that match this will be another bit of a test as well Sabalenka can go big too if she can get through Bedosa which is not going to be an easy one okay we'll take a break a lot more to come when we come back including a little news about Serena Williams she's looking to become an owner in one of the most valuable sports franchises in the world more TC live when we come back Make tennis.com your online information source throughout Tennis Channel's Road to Roland Garros, presented by Zip Recruiter. Stay current with live match scoring, draws, rankings, and all the latest news, including, by the way, more news on the ongoing Wimbledon controversy. Just found out that the ATP and WTA will have a summit in Madrid to discuss their response to Wimbledon's decision to ban Russian and Belarusian players. So you can check all of that out on tennis.com today. Meanwhile, we continue our look at the Warm and Fuzzy series with the last guy we actually saw beat Carlos Alcaraz in a match, Sebastian Corda. What's your cat's name? Rafa, named after, named after the man. I assume you named Rafa before you played him. Have you played Rafa? <laughs> I have played Rafa. Okay, yeah, and what was that like? Uh, intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everything you'd expect. Does Rafa know that your cat is named after him? I think he does. I think he saw it in an interview or something like that, so, yeah. so he knows. You can check out all those warm and fuzzies on TennisChannel.com. Always fun to watch those. All right, when we come back here on TC Live, you can find out how you can attend this summer's Tennis Hall of Fame enshrinement in Newport just by sharing your favorite tennis moments. More on that when we come back. Welcome back to CTC Live, our road to Roland Garros. Coming up, we start Monday with the ATP and Munich and Estero, and then the men and women come together in Madrid, April 28th, then Rome after that, and of course the Roland Garros qualifiers, and then Roland Garros starting May 22nd. To Belgrade we go now, and Andre Rublev, the number two seed there on a collision course perhaps with Novak Djokovic taking on Japanese qualifier Taro Daniel. Yeah, and this is a matchup that Andre Rublev would be excited to have. He knows Taro Daniel can't really hurt him much off the ground. This is pretty much smooth sailing for Rublev. He served 70% first serve percentage, winning 79% of those first serve points won. And basically only faced one break point throughout the entire match. You see that forehand there that Rublev was able to rifle through the court. Taro Daniel plays with a lot of shape and gives his opponents a lot of time to be able to create pace. And for Rublev, that's exactly what he likes to do right there. Another forehand winner. He was just finding the lines. It's a bit cold there in Belgrade. It's been anywhere from 45 to 55 degrees, but he was able to hit through the cold, was Andre Rublev, and come away with the victory. All right, so Rublev gets through cleanly. There's a look 
at what's left for the Serbia Open. This is tomorrow. Novak Djokovic will take on Karen Hatchinov in one semifinal. And it'll be Italy's Fabio Fognini playing very well. He gets Rublev in the other semi. Back to Barcelona we go now. And Felix Auger, Aliassime, Diego Schwartzman, they both won in straight sets in the round of 16, back on court against each other. Yeah, this was a battle. Both of these guys served 70% for a serve percentage, so they were absolutely finding the corners on serves. And then you see Felix finding the corners on his forehand as well in the first set. He had Diego on the run quite a lot. And then in the second set, the tide turned a little bit. You see that approach shot was a little bit too central, so Diego was able to find the passing shot. But we saw a lot of mistimed backhands from Felix Oje Eliassim in this second set. He was misfiring off of that backhand. Normally it's the forehand wing that he can misfire off of, but Diego was able to rifle some backhands down the line. That's his favorite shot for Diego is that backhand. And then in this third set, again, it was more of the same. Just Felix was coming in, but Diego had the answer for about everything. That was a left toward winner, a little bit unlucky for FAA. But for Diego, again, just staying in his patterns, he's a, an aggressive counterpuncher. He made a lot of balls and made Felix just hit himself out of the match. So Diego continuing to play. Great tennis on clay is through. Kasparud, Pablo Carreño, Busta. Busta had to go three to beat Lorenzo Sinego before this. Now he gets Ruth. Yeah, he played a lot of tennis already, Carreño Busta coming into this match, but this was one of the three match points Casper Ruud would have. I mean, it looked like he was going to close this match out fairly comfortably, but Carreño Busta just kept fighting, and this, that exchange there, I think that was what really changed the momentum. That was right there for Ruud to take the match, and the fact that Carreño Busta kept battling, it started getting in Ruud's head. This one just a basic miss. Off the return, Carreño Busto would hold serve, would go on into the tie break and have a few set points, but finally gets it on that wild miss from Kasparud, and he was pumped in such a rhythm and clearly wasn't feeling tired. Took this momentum into, into the third set, and I think this was part of why Carreño Busto was able to turn this match around, his ability to come forward, to be aggressive at the net, to take a few more chances. He got the break and just kept coming, and what a feeling to win after saving match points to still be in it. Won two matches today. Comes to big. All right, so that sets up our Second semifinal in Barcelona. There you see it. It'll be Diego Schwartzman and Pablo Carreño Busta. In that one, a couple of really good clay court players. And, of course, Carlos Alcaraz and Alex de Menor in the other one. To the social net we go now. And, guys, you know you've made it big when you start to buy pieces of sports franchises. And that is where Serena Williams is. She is part of a group that's looking to buy the Chelsea Football club, one of the most famous clubs in the Premier League. Also, uh, Lewis Hamilton, the seven-time Formula One champion in this group as well. Nick, if you could invest in a sports franchise, well, what sport would it be? I mean, I don't know. I'm a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan, so I'd have to go with Kansas City Chiefs. But again, for Serena to invest in FC Chelsea, I mean, she's a winner. So you always want her on your team. I mean, I'm just curious, what's the minimum to invest in this team? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are both $13 million. Okay, how, yeah. how, does, how does a regular person get in on this? Whatever it is, it's not low enough for me. That's, yeah. that's the bottom line for sure. This so we'll, is fantastic. We'll you know. see how that plays out. Meanwhile, okay, this is a lot of fun 
for folks. If you've never been to Newport and the International Tennis Hall of Fame, it's a great spot to go. Leighton Hewitt will be inducted solo this summer. And a chance for you to win a trip there by participating in this uh, online sweepstakes. Basically what you do is you go to the website, you get to fill out a survey about your favorite rivalry, your favorite tennis moment. And so go check that out. I just filled it out today. Nick, it was a lot of fun. I filled out the best uh, Cinderella story. So let's talk about that one. Which do you think is the best Cinderella story in tennis history? Well, for me, it'd be Michael Chang in 1989, you know, when he when he won uh, the French Open. You know, he had to be Yvonne Lindell uh, and then had to go through Stefan Edberg in the finals of that. 17 years old and went through five sets here. Won the first set, then lost the next two then won the next two, 6-2 in the fifth set. He was cramping, actually, against Yvonne Lindell there in the round of 16. Found a way to, to win that, but he was the youngest Grand Slam champion ever at age 17. Pretty amazing stuff for Michael Chang. Chanda, what do you got? You know, I've got to go, Rob, with the qualifier winning the U.S. Open. I mean, is that ever going to be repeated? Uh, Emma Raducanu won the U.S. Open, had to play multiple matches. That's not our, our clip there, yeah. but I'm going to still talk about it. We had still to talk about it. We're, yeah, we're of course. <laughs> had to play multiple matches just to get into the tournament. Her ranking wasn't high enough. She hadn't played enough matches. And at the end of three weeks, not just two weeks of tennis, three weeks to be holding the trophy was just 18 years of age. On top of it, it was an unbelievable Cinderella story, I think, for so many who watch that. Yeah, I got to give you that one as well. That, to me, is an incredible one. So here's how you do it. You go to Tennis Fame dot com slash vote you can also find the hashtag on twitter you can vote through saturday april the 30th and you can vote on cinderella story best rivalry best comeback all kinds of great stuff there we'll take a break when we come back on tc live much more from a busy day of tennis hot shot of the day it was carlos alcaraz's first of two matches on friday taking on his countrymen I mean, I think for Carlos Alcaraz, there are a ton of hot shots today, but that one was amazing. Look at him coming forward. Always keep the racket out in front on the volley, I guess, right? He was covering that backhand pass across court. He was ready for Sissy Boss after this kind of stuff. Defend at all costs for Carlos Alcaraz. Impressive self-defense winner. Okay, featured matches coming up Saturday on Tennis Channel. Coverage starts at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time with Schwartzman and Carreño Busta in one Barcelona semi. Alcaraz de Manure in the other one. And then we head to Belgrade for Djokovic and Rublev. After that, the ladies in Stuttgart. And uh, let's start with that Djokovic match, guys. He has had to play three sets now in all of his matches in Belgrade, playing himself into shape. Uh, not an easy matchup here against Hakanov. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was able to commentate kind of both his last two matches against Jerry. He really kind of struggled in the beginning of the match, couldn't really find his form. He started to find it kind of midway through the second set. Jerry should have won the second set, but then against Kegmanovic again, Djokovic came out with a little bit better form, was making more balls early on in the match, still lost the first set, but then was able to kind of find his way into it, get a little bit more of a rhythm. And so I feel like he's starting to finally find his form. It just takes time. It takes matches. It takes being in those pressure situations for Djokovic. And against Kecmanovic, he's going to be hitting big, so Djokovic is going to have to defend. But that crowd in Serbia, I mean, they are absolutely pumped up. They weren't even going for Jerry or Kecmanovic, both Serbians, when, when Djokovic was playing them. So I think they'll help him through that match.
Yeah, I think this will be actually a little better matchup for Djokovic against Hachinov where, you know, he'll get some good uh, licks at some hits. And, you know, there won't be a lot of guile, per se, in that match. He'll just have to go toe-to-toe. I think he'll be able to dictate the tempo uh, a little better. Certainly that match against Ketsmanovic, you mentioned, Djokovic was under pressure. And the fact that he came from under that pressure against a guy who's been in form, I think he's playing now with a different level of confidence. And even as an all-time great, you need matches as a tennis player. And Djokovic, having gotten those couple of under his belt, uh, those matches under his belt this week, I think he will be very happy with this matchup. All right. Well, it should be another great day of tennis on Saturday here on Tennis Channel. We look forward to it as the road to Roland Garros continues in Belgrade, Barcelona, and Stuttgart. We'll see you back here bright and early tomorrow. Have a great Tennis Friday.